G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Not only is it a milestone for us here at Vision today as we broadcast for the first day live from our new HQ in Brisbane, but a wonderful facility that we have moved into here. But there's another really significant milestone that's happening this week. One that we can celebrate that has real significance for modern missionary endeavour. Mission Aviation Fellowship or MAF Australia is celebrating a birthday. They're 75 years old or 75 years young. And what was the dream of some World War II pilots has grown into a worldwide Christian ministry. It started with just one aircraft in one country and has grown to over 125 aircraft, serving in over 25 countries around the world. Well, Ian McDougall is the CEO at MAF in Australia, and Ian is our guest over this next hour. Ian, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil, and to all your listeners, I am just thankful that you guys are in your new place where you can share more of the gospel through your vision. Well, I can tell you, uh, when we have moved into our new headquarters, uh, what you'll hear from the leaders of our ministry organisation is that uh, this is setting the sails for the next 30 years. Uh, So there's a certain sense in which, you know, should Jesus tarry, that uh, this ministry will continue to grow through the coming decades. And when we talk about growth, MAF is the picture of growth, Ian. And as I said, post-World War II, and and I, I, I tried to nail you on the exact date of the very first meeting for the start of MAF, and, uh, and you weren't able to be exactly precise. Give us a reason why. Well, it, it, because it came straight after uh, Victory Day, the VE Day back in '45. The, the guys were talking, and they kind of said, why can't we use these aircraft? bring life and hope during peace times and that's when and so approximately two weeks after that and we're celebrating the 16th of may as that milestone then we're we're saying that at that time two weeks they sat down in fellowship together and prayed and asked god for a vision and then over the coming time it just grew from a vision where these pilots went back home and New Zealander and Australia and England, America and South Africa, all these people got together and kind of had started this fellowship and they kept in contact with either each other through mail. And then at, by no, the end of 1945, we had our first aircraft in the air. And then in America, Betty Green in 46 was flying the first lady to, to take off and she served right up until 2010. And I think it's just that whole process of understanding that this started from a fellowship and we're still called Mission Aviation Fellowship and I think it's important to realise that that 75 years of fellowship is the key factor that we're bringing hope to the remote through fellowship of people joining together. 
Ian, as you reflect on a name or two there, there is a sense in which MAF, 75 years old, you're old enough to have had a bunch of heroes uh, of the ministry that have come to light in nations all around the world. And as I've been saying to listeners a little earlier, it's a very dangerous thing that you do when you're flying into uh, some very uh, inhospitable and difficult terrain at times, uh, but no doubt there's been a lot of dangers that uh, your pilots have faced over all these years. Yes, and that is true. And and Harry Hartwig, the first Australian pilot, lost his life in Papua New Guinea. Um, he, he got on his aircraft and he took off and he said goodbye to his beautiful wife and he never came home. But in each of those situations, and even with that situation of, of loss of life, there was growth through it because it inspired other people to say, we can do this with our aircraft. We can go out and do it. And it is dangerous. I mean, when you take an aircraft and land it on two degree at 450 metres, it's a mountain at the top and a mountain at the bottom and it's 5,000 feet in the air and that's going to a village to bring food or to bring medical or just to evacuate someone who's been hurt and doesn't have a doctor. And it's so important for us to remember. But even in, in uh, the early days where Nate Saint was martyred after him going out and sharing and then seeing later on those, that, those people that were there, the native people who met him and actually killed him, then turned to Christ through the start of him, him meeting with them. I think that's the important process. It's so powerful when you think of the history of a mission organisation like MAF and recognise that, as you say, there were pilots that didn't come home, uh, those that were martyred on the mission field as they were serving. And when we talk about MAF, when we're talking about pilots uh, flying into very dangerous territory and dangerous airstrips to land on, uh, you don't let beginner pilots loose in your aircraft, do you? Because the places that you fly into, Ian, are often so, so difficult uh, that uh, you need an absolutely highly experienced, mature pilot behind the controls. That is correct. We, we take people who are experienced pilots with, with 500 hours to 1,000 hours of, of flying experience and then retrain them for bush pilot skills. Because in general aviation, the flying around the cities is a completely different skill set than going out and starting at 5,000 feet on a mountaintop. It's a, a different way of, of flying. It's the, the terrain, the, the clouds... The process of flying, it is such a different situation. And up in northern Queensland at Mareeba, we have a training centre where we have experienced bush pilots who now train the people who are coming out, even if they're experienced pilots from, from a jet airliner down to a single engine. They come in and get retrained and, and standardised into a way of thinking about bush piloting, and that's where it is. But not only do we have that in Mareeba in Queensland, we also have a training facility in Uganda, and we also have a training f facility in the Netherlands. So we're covering three areas, and all of those experts are there to share their knowledge of how to fly these small aircraft into the, the most awkward places. Because sometimes the runways are dirt, sometimes the runways are grass, sometimes they're Occasionally, we even have asphalt ones, which you get quite excited about. Yes. 
Okay, I'm asking listeners today to participate in our conversation, and so I do want to open our talkback lines so that listeners can join in. You might have your own experience with MAF, or you might have heard and you have a tale to tell uh, some of the stories of MAF pilots. There is a sense in which uh, I'm asking today to for listeners uh, to respond on our Facebook post, Ian, because when we talk about losing your life in dangerous situations as you're sharing the gospel or in the case of MAF as you are helping to facilitate what happens with missionaries all around the world I'm asking the question today do you think courage is a prerequisite for serving God in mission and we might think that courage is necessary for every single believer Uh, but certainly if you're going to serve in a mission aviation ministry, then uh, courage is one of those prerequisites, is it not? Courage courage is a prerequisite for what we're doing, but also when you become a believer in Christ and, and you walk his pathway, he puts wisdom and courage into you, and then you take your skill sets and take that a step further and go out and understand that everything you're doing is in his will and his grace, that you, you go out with courage and I, I, I'm a great believer in the fact that courage is a prerequisite, but it comes from God giving us the skill sets and the talents. I'm not a pilot. I don't profess to be a pilot. And, you know, I, I'm a great passenger. I, I love to sit in the aircraft and, and do and talk to them, and I understand what they're doing. But my, my faith comes from God in sitting with these courageous people who do this every day. And for those listeners wanting to respond to that Facebook poll, you can do that. Simply go to facebook.com forward slash vision radio, the vision radio Facebook page, and you can respond there. And I can tell you that as that question goes so far, uh, do you think courage is a prerequisite for serving God in mission? Uh, And as I often say with these polls, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer. And uh, so 60% so far are saying, yes, courage is a prerequisite. And 40% saying no will reflect on some of those responses that listeners are putting up there because you can leave a comment too. But some are saying, as as you've indicated, Ian, uh, you don't necessarily have courage in the moment you sign up to serve God. But when the time comes, when the time is right, and when you're up against circumstances, God is the one who supernaturally brings that courage in the moment. Hey, it's a big year for you, the 75th uh, celebration. At the beginning of the year, we did a little preview conversation saying that it was going to be a huge year ahead and you had all sorts of gatherings and dinners and all sorts of things that were planned. Coronavirus has uh, made, uh, you know, uh, drawn you short on those. Uh, You haven't been able to do a whole lot of stuff. Uh, You had to call a whole lot of things off just like everybody else did, Ian. Yes, and we did. And and we uh, we were devastated by coronavirus in the fact that we couldn't fellowship together this year on 75th anniversary. We were having a big gala dinner in Melbourne on May 16 to celebrate, but we've had to move that to 2021. And it's the right and proper thing to do for safety, to follow the, the guidelines of the government. But also it was quite interesting from our point of view. We kind of went, oh, what's going on? And then as we were talking and praying, God revealed to us that there's nothing new under the sun and that we are in a situation where we can still celebrate together and we're 
been having Zoom meetings and we've been, our, our, our alumni on the Facebook page have been sharing stories about what's been happening over 75 years. We've been talking to people around the world on on all of these different platforms that are out there. And it's actually brought the family together because there's, there's resourcing groups all around the world and MAF International and uh, 1,500 staff serving all around MAF. And we've been able to bring together little celebrations across the, the, the Skype family and, and on Zoom and those sorts of meetings. But we're looking forward to having a big bash dinner in, in Melbourne in 2021, in June 2021, which will also coincide with 70 years of serving in Papua New Guinea. So okay. it's just amazing. Right. Uh, big times, uh, everything on hold so far as the celebration dinners and such things go. But uh, like everyone else, uh, it's going to be a huge year 2021 because when you've got those celebrations, you still want to have them. You still want to mark the milestone. Might not be on the exact date and you're hopeful uh, that you'll be able to have people uh, appropriately socially distanced but being able to meet in the same room and to be able to yes. celebrate one another face to face. Hey, I want to, just before we take a break, let's uh, just touch on uh, some of the things that are happening with MAF right now because you haven't been grounded around the world because of coronavirus. No doubt there'll be some issues in some countries. Uh, in Australia, you do fabulous work in Arnhem Land in the Northern Territory. Uh, give us a little insight into some of the things that you're working on with uh, here in Australia here, Ian. Yeah, well, we, it's, it's, um, it's just amazing what God's been doing. And we were working last year with a group to assist in in a program which is emergency flights for escaping life-threatening domestic violence in Arnhem Land. And this year, at the beginning of the year, COVID-19 hit, and we went to our people and said, we need to assist these women and families. And they just responded graciously that we're able to start fund, fully funding. So these women and children who are being removed from domestic violence situations to safe havens, we're flying them and they're fully funded through the generosity of the people who give. That's one thing in Arnhem Land. The other thing in Arnhem Land is we are deemed an essential service by the government. And as an essential service, we are flying medical and food. We are flying help and hope and doctors into those regions because where we go and get a COVID-19 test here in in our local area in you in brisbane or us in sydney or people out in the cities we know that the country folk don't have that immediate access and we're able to fly those those kits in with a doctor and a nurse to be able to do testing in the areas and i think it's important for us to remember that we transport the hope and it's a hope restored to people because they know that they're part of something bigger they feel part of the process but sticking within the social distancing guidelines so we have to have put less people into the aircraft but it gives us an ability where we've we've redesigned the aircraft we've got perspex areas behind the seats of the pilots to protect them they're flying in their personal protective equipment and it's establishing those emergencies flights that help people instantly without worry or fear a biblical perspective on life culture and current events this is 2020 on vision christian radio 
Wonderful to have you with us on this Tuesday edition of 2020 as we share a milestone celebration with MAF in Australia. MAF stands for Missionary Aviation Fellowship. Ian McDougall is the CEO of MAF in Australia. Ian, we're talking about uh, what's uh, the work that's going on and we touched on some things that you're doing in Arnhem Land and an important time with the rise in domestic violence. Uh, there's all sorts of good things that are happening and we'll get to some more of those. Uh, you recently released something of a video presentation uh, just for supporters, uh, just outlining some of the good work in villages. Uh, give us some insights into, into the, the way you've been talking about uh, the work of MAF. Yeah, well, we were sharing about from the first day until now and we were talking about the village Lapalama in Papua New Guinea and, and how that village transformed over many years, over 60-odd years from the time we first landed there, where we were bringing in some medical supplies. And then from those medical supplies, they started to use us for medical evacuations. They started to use us for education facilities. We brought Bibles into the village through, through uh, CRMF, which was Christian Radio Mission Fellowship, and... That was in Papua New Guinea, and we started to bring the Bibles, which were written in New Testament in their language, and they started to start at a school. So over those years, we've had families grow up in the villages learning about Christ from day one through the fact that transportation happened. And it's important for us to remember that MAF brings about hope through transportation, bringing in pastors and teachers and and the people who are able to share God's love through their areas of expertise, like teaching, like uh, uh, medical. It's those sorts of people just in the heartbeat of a village. And see a, a village grow and they then share the gospel to their neighbours on the other side of the mountain. I think that's where it comes. And if you just take that little snapshot and extrapolate that across Africa, extrapolate that across parts of the areas in the DRC Congo or in in areas of South Sudan, that is where it just ex- goes and grows. And that's where the gospel comes into its own. And we mentioned you're an essential service there in the Northern Territory and uh, it's an essential service too in Papua New Guinea, particularly at a time like this. Uh, You're partnering with the government in PNG at a time when uh, even COVID-19 is having an effect on people in PNG. Yes, yeah, and we're, we're, we're partnering not only with the government but the health workers, medicines. We're bringing in awareness materials to teach in the rural hospitals So they're preparing for what can happen in COVID-19. Not all of the areas have been struck by COVID-19, but we know that this virus doesn't doesn't stop. It's going everywhere. And so what we're doing is we're taking in teams of people to share how to be prepared and train them up. And I think that's important in there. And that's not only there, but also in areas like Timor-Leste, and uh, the the surrounding areas of Indonesia that we can access and share and be prepared for emergencies and teach them how to use different pieces of equipment through the, the transportation of doctors and nurses who understand how to utilise them. 
I think if we were talking about just how significant MAF is, uh, if you were reflecting on what happened with mission activity before MAF and what happens today, I mean, uh, in my mind, I've, I've got this sort of image of Dr. Livingston uh, trampsing through the jungles uh, in Africa and uh, and this idea that you know you, if you were doing all of that on foot uh, you know with your machete and cutting through the undergrowth to try and w- make your way into a, a mission uh, place it would take you half of your life and half of your time just getting there uh, there's a big difference that it makes when you can fly missionaries into very, very difficult, sometimes hard-to-reach locations. So your thoughts here for a moment, Ian, because uh, if you reflect on mission before MAF and mission after, there's a big difference, isn't there? Oh, there's a huge difference. And uh, and I think if I could bring it down to a, a, a little story that I can tell you from personal experience, I was flying, I was flying in Papua New Guinea with a gentleman who was a pastor of a church and he was sharing the story of how he used to take seven days to walk across to the mountain to the village that we fly him in 20 minutes. So the difference now is that we can take him in 20 minutes from point A to point B and he spends seven days with the villagers instead of tramping the, the, the mountain for seven days to get there to visit with them. And that's a huge difference. So he can spend more time discipling and sharing the gospel with those people. And that's just one little story. Another little story in in Papua New Guinea was just an exciting one. I was flying with a counsellor who was sharing that he had grown up in the area. And as he'd grown up, and he was now 65 years of age, and he was sharing how there was no gospel in the highlands where he lived. And yet he looks down from the aircraft now and wherever he sees a tin shed he sees that that is where MAF has been because they've brought the tin in, they've brought the process in and wherever is a tin shed there's gospel in those areas and he gives thanks to God for that in his 65 years of age he was saying how there was nothing and now there is something. Okay, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Lexi, who's called in from the Northern Territory. Lexi, how are you? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. Lexi, I'm actually calling from where Groot are you? Island. Yes, Groot Island. Okay. Yep. Uh, uh, what's your, What are your thoughts for our conversation? Oh, look, it's very, very minor, only little. But I just wanted to say I flew across, I do dialysis in remote locations, but I'm on Groot at the moment. But I flew across from Nullumboy to Elko, to Galawinku, which is Elko Island, and I went into the little hangar, you know, the airport at at Gove, and it was the mass one, and the Holy Spirit was everywhere, and they had a little resource place, and it was just beautiful, and flew across on a mass plane over to Elko Island, and it was just spiritually beautiful for me. Wow. I had to talk so. That would be a part of the culture that has grown up over these decades. And Ian, a beautiful thought there from Lexi when she senses, as she's saying, the presence of God around the complex that you've got there in the Northern Territory. Absolutely. And Lexi, thank you so much for that sort of feedback because that is so important. That That's what we're trying to portray is that God's presence is within and around us wherever we go. And 
that's part of what we want to do. And the resource centre there that you're talking about is so important to the local people because they come, they can download Bible verses, they can download uh, pastoral care notes and all those sorts of things. So thank you for that. And we appreciate it. And we appreciate that you're out there doing stuff. So thank you. And Lexi, before I let you go, it's not every day we get a chance to talk to someone from Groot Island. So uh, just give us a little uh, impression about what you do there. Um, I work for an organisation, Purple House, and they do dialysis in remote locations, allowing Indigenous people to live back on community and do dialysis. Otherwise, they're stuck in Darwin or Alice Springs. Wow, and so I imagine got... I imagine that MAF is a part of that process. There are there. I mean, it's MAF flies into Groot Island. Uh, does uh, mm, are there other? Not very uh, other... often. Okay, I not very often. I did see a plane there the other day, and I thought, oh, my ears pricked up when I my eyes pricked up when I saw it. But that it's not common. But mostly Elko Island, and I think those northern islands. And. Yep. And for listeners, and you're listening to uh, maybe 2020 each day on Groot Island, and for a lot of listeners yeah. who are wondering about the geography, where does vision reach? Well, it's just a absolute privilege for us to be able to broadcast on Groot Island. Uh, how's your signal there? Do you get a pretty good signal for vision? Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, Good to know. Lexi. <laughs> It is just great to hear from you. Thanks so much for picking up the phone and calling oh, can in. Can I and, just uh, tell you something, another little thing that yep. happened on with Mass? Yep. So we flew over on this tiny plane and we actually took a Mass staff member because the pilot who lived on Elko Island's wife was having, I think, her third or fourth child and he'd had to go to work. So they sent someone, one of their own staff members, to stay with her because she was pregnant while he was working. And I just thought that was such a Christian thing that God would want. Wow. Ian, your thoughts here on your staff, your ministries going the extra mile? Yeah, it's it's part of what they do. They, they believe in the we factor, W-E, the we factor. We are part of something bigger than ourselves. And and that's the, the ethos that, that permeates through, that we are there to help, we are there to assist, but we just don't focus on the outward, we also focus on the inward. And I, it, that just makes me smile. Lexi, if you could see the smile on my face, uh, thank you so much, because these guys and ladies and gentlemen who go out there, they sacrifice, as you have, to go and do what you're doing to, to be able to help people on dialysis. And that is the important component of what we're doing, is sharing God's love through everything and remembering that each of our staff members still needs support. Ian, uh, from Gelatin, welcome along. Uh, bless you. I've got you, and I don't know what happened before, but hey, great to have you back. And uh, what are your thoughts about our conversation about MAF today? Uh, well, I was working around the yardie, and I listen to the wireless every day, all the time, and it come up about MAF in New Guinea. In 1986, our church in Mossman, led by Martin Hovey, whose brother was Kevin Hovey, who was running the AOG missionary up there. So we went up for a month on a mission trip. We took our band up and we went, flew into Moresby, then up to Groker, then down to Lay, then over to Weewak and up onto the Sea Peak to Hayfield, and then to that next little town, which I forget. 
and done a mission trip there, and it was really good, and math flew us from town to town, so it was very exciting. And isn't it amazing that you couldn't do that without Mission Aviation Fellowship? Ian McDougall, uh, just an illustration of what happens whenever anyone wants to do missionary endeavours, then MAF's an absolutely essential part of the process. Yes, so correct. And Ian, thank you so much for sharing that story, because they're the sort of things that just... In revitalize what we're doing every day to hear how people can get out with the gospel and the band and, and do what you're doing by sharing the gospel through your hard work and and we're able to just be a part of that that process by being transportation to you so thank you for sharing that Ian from Gelatin, thank you so much for calling in. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, you can respond too to our Facebook question at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Hey, before we move on too, let me just uh, whip through a few thoughts that people have been uh, responding to. And uh, you'll recall the question we're asking today is, do you think courage is a prerequisite for serving God in mission? Well, Larissa says, yes, many times through the Bible, people like Joshua or Gideon, were told to be courageous, Paul prayed against Timothy's timidity. Yvonne says, courage can follow fear. Look at the story of Jonah, afraid to go to Nineveh. Moses, who was not good at public speaking. Paul, who was short and, as they're saying, hard on the eye because there were some eyewitness descriptions of the Apostle Paul and uh, not not an incredibly good-looking character, apparently. But anyway, Fiona says, I think it's the willingness to obey. So people talking about courage it comes comes at uh, at the time, as you say, Ian, when you most need it. But any thoughts jump out at you from some of those listener comments? Yeah, I I think it's so important to go back to that to the Bible and just look at the courage that those people have. I mean, David when when he went and took off the armor and just went as his natural person and uh, up against up against Goliath. I think that's where the courage comes from is that it's embedded inside us by God and to build that. And I think what people are saying is that that's there. It's inherent in us. And we just need to allow God to room to move, if I could use that word. You know, we celebrate 75 years of Mission Aviation Fellowship and wonderful to be able to reflect on past uh, glories, uh, even as we mentioned, uh, the death of pilots or the martyrdom of pilots who've served over the years. Uh, but as we look into the future, I guess you can only go with what sort of things have been happening over this past 12 months to be able to talk about how things might start to look in the coming year. Uh, what are your thoughts about uh, things that have happened uh, over this past 12 months, Ian? Yeah, well, in the last 12 months, it's 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 exciting to see where we're going. If I could put in perspective, we've been talking for a little while now, but we have an aircraft taking off every four minutes in 2019. So every four minutes, somewhere in the world, an MAF aircraft was taking off to bring hope to the remote people. You know, that equates to a lot. There was over 39,000 hours flown 149,000 passengers moved from point A to point B. That's not including medical um, medivacs and people come, who are being transported through aviation areas. The 5 million kilos of freight just moved, and that, and that freight is from live chickens to, to um, rice to petrol to 
aviation fuel to gas to, to run diesel trucks. And I think we need to remember that all of these things are required. In Papua New Guinea, we were flying coffee beans out of one area to the markets for these people, dropping that off and then flying rice and food that they'd bartered for their coffee beans. And I imagine that when you're operating the way you do, it's with Christian Mission and it's also with uh, oftentimes relief organisations when there's natural disasters. Uh, this, yes. this is a big uh, development because uh, this keeps you guys pretty busy. Oh, absolutely. If you look at, uh, if you look at where we are in, in Timor-Lefse, we've been working with Oxfam and we've been delivering 430 kilograms of hand-washing kit soap and also posters to the people in Okusa because the ferries and the commercial flights have been, have been stopped. So the only way we can get this product out is through MAF and working with the government on that. In uh, places like Bangladesh, we are the only flight that's working in Bangladesh at the moment, and it's one of the most densely populated countries. So it's got large refugee camps. It's got places where we need to be. We fly people to the floating hospitals in Bangladesh because our aircraft is on floats, so we can get in and out on all the rivers. Okay, let's stay with Bangladesh for a few moments because huge population and uh, you're working with uh, refugee camps and, as you say, those medical supplies and you say that there are no commercial op- uh, uh, airlines operating and, and so, in some sense, MAF has a very important role to play here because uh, when you talk about essential service, if there's no one else in the air, you're it, uh, you become very important. Yes, and, uh, and the, the process that we're looking at is that each flight, because of COVID-19, is a little bit more difficult because we have to get permission to fly into each of the regions. But it's amazing how God works with the local people and, and the government officials that we see. They see us as essential service where we can go in and land on a river, get people out quickly or respond to the needs. And we have the float plane there. We've got a second one, which has just landed, and we're just waiting for the official sign-off on that one. So we'll have two aircraft serving those areas. And, of course, we're talking your work that happens around the world here, uh, in Africa as well, uh, MAF working very hard during this time, and uh, no doubt with the COVID-19 crisis, uh, lots of airlines not operating, and I'm sure you've got to work with governments wherever they are uh, uh, endorsing or prohibiting uh, what flights are actually happening. Uh, You're doing some work in Chad as well. Yes, so in Chad... Um, they've prohibited the use of buses right across Chad. And even though it's, it's a difficult situation, we are now the public transport of Chad. So we've been transporting partners who are working to bring relief to countries. We're working in the Ministry of Health and transporting their, their coronavirus kits. And it's just, it's just a powerful way that we are able to fly in and not affect other people, not affect the process. We're not breaking the law. We're working with the governments. And the buses, because they're so crowded, by us flying, we're saving people's lives by not, not pursuing against the, the rules. Uh, you're working in another African nation, in Liberia. What's happening there? Yeah, so in, in, in Liberia, it's 
we're working with your local officials to, to transport suspected patients to health facilities. Again, Liberia is a place where uh, I have to, people may know this better than I do, but it's one doctor for every 10,000 people. And so in that area, we're able to fly these COVID patients out to the healthcare facilities for testing, but also for care. If they do have it, they've got doctors and nurses who are there on the ground in the clinics. Uh, let's talk about Kenya briefly. Yep. Uh, so we've been given a six-month approval to carry COVID-19 samples right across Sudan for the WHO, and that is so important for us that we're able to carry that in in Kenya and keep that going. Now, Kenya and South Sudan work in tandem where our planes fly from Kenya to South Sudan and South Sudan back again. So we're doing relief flights across the border into both areas and that makes a huge difference especially for someone like South Sudan who were in a war just recently and are still recovering from that war that the the areas that we're working in require assistance on a regular basis. Let's talk about what happens with the faith component of uh, of pilots who are flying for MAF because uh, there might be other private airline operators. Uh, but as you're saying, in so many of these instances, MAF's the only airline in the air. Uh, there's a certain sense here in which I imagine that, uh, you know, taking responsibility for the health issues that are at hand, uh, challenging times as they are, but uh, clearly some of your pilots are are, uh, are putting, uh, you know, I guess I guess we could say putting themselves at risk by doing all of these flying in and out of various centres and, and uh, with uh, issues that are supporting the COVID-19 treatments and things. But there's an issue of faith here. I wonder whether you can put your finger on it at all, Ian, uh, the difference between some of your pilots and others that might be flying commercially. I, I think that the point is that there's a hope in Jesus Christ, that there's eternity and that, yes... We take every precaution. We've redesigned the areas in the aircraft so that we, we fly less people in. Uh, our, our aircraft are only single aircraft, so 8 to 12 seats, but we, we're reducing the amount of people in those flights. But each pilot and engineer and ground staff have a hope in Jesus, and they, they're, not, they're not silly. They're, they're being very skilled in what they're doing. They're wearing their masks. They're wearing their personal protective equipment they're washing their hands we've got extra sanitizers in the aircraft we've got the the process and in, in areas where they are they're trained well but also what they've got is they've got a hope in the love that jesus will care for them and look after them and also the prayers on the wing and what we mean by that is that everybody out there in vision radio land and everybody out there who are partnering with us are praying and so we have the, we have a, a hedge of protection around everybody. Now we're we're not immune to the virus by any means, but we are prepared for it. And we believe that running towards the crisis is the best way to go. And so we get out there and we share the gospel, but also the heart of Jesus through everything we do. You know that idea of running towards the crisis. Uh, when I've got that question that I've been asking our listeners today to respond to the Facebook poll today, which asks the question, do you think courage is a prerequisite for serving God in mission? And this, I think you've put your finger on it here, 
as a very, very significant expression of what it is when you have faith because there's a tendency, isn't there, Ian, to run from the crisis. But time and again, we'll see brave-hearted Christian individuals who are serving God in mission and not afraid to run towards the crisis. It really is a significant aspect of what happens when someone is faith-filled. Yeah, and and I I believe in what God teaches us that you know, we are there to be a light on the hill. We're there to be a light in the shadows and in the darkness. And if we're running away from things, we we don't we take our light with us. So we've got to stand firm and run towards so we can shed that light into the darkness. To give you an example, I just received an email five minutes ago while we were talking. And Uganda has been hit by floods in Kasisi. So not only have they got lockdown, they've now got floods where Lake Victoria is at record levels since 1920. And our emergency team, our actual runway was flooded and they've pulled together and thrown dirt down on the runway so the aircraft can take off and start to do survey flights for the government. Now, this has happened within 48 hours of the flood happening, and these guys have gone out with a tractor and recreated a new runway so they could get out and start to do the survey flights to see where the need is required. So not only have they got COVID-19, they've now got a flood which is happening, and the engineers and the, and the crews are out there doing it. And I think running towards the crisis is so important to understand that we don't do it in a non-trained way we go out and say how can we help what are the needs and how do we fulfill those needs and there's an example just straight away that the airport was flooded they've redesigned it so that the aircraft can take off and do what it needs to do well you've had to reschedule your celebration dinners for this year and celebrating the 75 year milestone and just a few minutes in our conversation remaining Ian uh, no doubt you'd always like to meet a new friend or two of the ministry and uh, there'll be all sorts of ways that people can connect with you whether it's as a prayer partner or whether it's a financial supporter uh, you'd like to connect with people who uh, have got a heart for the sort of things we've been talking about over this past hour uh, what are your thoughts for people who maybe have never supported MAF before and uh, seeing the opportunities that are there the necessities for the mission of MAF. Uh, What sort of new friends would you like to make connection to today? We would love people to pray for MAF, but not only for MAF, but all of our partners. We service 2,000 groups out there. So we want prayer going right out through all the vision people, that sharing the gospel is important, but also praying for our, our partners, like yourself, Neil, and your team at Vision with your new your your new humble uh, place, but also to to jump online and go to our website at www.maf.org.au and have a look at the stories, have a look at the countries that we're servicing. And if you're interested enough to drop a donation in to help us continue to keep on in the air. And that would be much appreciated. And uh, what a magnificent ministry MAF is. And uh, to be connected with MAF in Australia and uh, perhaps to drop a line, an email to Ian McDougall, 
maf.org.au. That's the website connection. No doubt you'll be able to see on their website the sort of work they're involved in right now, some of the things we've been talking about, uh, some of the plans that they'll have with uh, some postponed celebrations marking the 75-year anniversary of MAF, but it's maf.org.au. And Ian McDougall is the CEO of MAF in Australia. Ian, always just such a privilege catching up with you and honour to all of your uh, ministry team workers, uh, whether they're in North Queensland or in the Northern Territory, uh, working to facilitate mission uh, in different nations all around the world. Just wonderful to be able to have you on today uh, to honour you and for this 75-year anniversary. Ian McDougall, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, and to all your listeners, may God bless everything you do and everywhere you go. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.